Thanks for listening to Reawaken, creating community and meaningful action to shift paradigms in mental health, trauma and addiction, a podcast by The Humane Clinic. Hosted by Matt Ball and Stephanie Mitchell and produced by me, Rory Ritchie, aka Producer Dan. Incidental music by yours truly and our theme song is Hope by the talented Addo Mull. Everywhere people, in every place, all of the countries and each race. Need your hope, that's what this world is in need Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed Hope is the thing that stops you bleed hope is the Welcome to Reawaken Podcast, I'm Stephanie and I'm here with Matt Ball Hey Stephanie How are you going? I'm alright, we're in a bit of a jovial mood We are, I can't stop giggling No So hopefully I can settle that down a bit um, Just to put it in context, we were getting ready to record the podcast And it, you, you said, do you think me drinking my coffee cup of tea is going to be sounded on the podcast and you're drinking louder than I've ever heard you drink a cup of tea or coffee which just it was very amusing <laughs> so look welcome we're going to talk today a bit about dissociocratic um some of you will have heard that word some of you won't um but I think essentially the idea of dissociocratic is that we're explaining why psychosis voices visions other extreme experiences non-ordinary states are in fact not a biological process of disorder. Of course, there's biology in there, but they're actually um, a, a sort of busy and active dissociation. And they realise the the, re, the re, reason why we can't perceive them as dissociation is because we've got a hundred plus year narrative mm. of what is psychotic, um, and and we're sort of I suppose we've come up with this construct around this and it was it's not a new label it's not a new um, disorder it's a way to remind people that this experience that is being expressed by someone of voices visions paranoia delusions all those labels actually they're a form of dissociation yeah and a skillful coping mechanism and a you know really um very sort of uh, what's the word I can't think of the word, but there's it's like purposeful for the person. I mean, it's un- unconscious to them that they, it's happening like that, but purposeful in the side of their 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 sort of coping strategies in their mind and. Mm, absolutely, so that we can see it as functional and yes, skillful, skillful and a- adaptive, yes. rather than dysfunctional, problematic, or ill. Mm. Um, and and you know, for some people that'll be a leap, but. <clears throat> We're not saying people don't suffer. We're not people saying people don't have experiences that are different to others. But we're saying that sticking a label on it of psychosis and then schizophrenia and all those other notional constructs is not terribly useful for most people. Mm. Um, so what we want to talk about is a bit about how we came up with and what it means, and then perhaps in the second half about why that's useful when yeah. we're engaged in, in meaningful relationship mm. with people. Um and and so so I, I just want to read a quote for, first. There's a paper coming out hopefully less year, later this year, and it says, "The interconnectedness that occurs through the process of growth within a loving, non-goal orientated relationship leads to the negation of the need for an altered state to exist." So what we're saying is that if someone has got those sort of extreme states or, or altered states or non-ordinary states, they're there because they're something's unsafe or, or not not ideal for them and and so if we can be in relationship with people without goals and and with love as as a 
as a key part of the underpinnings of the relationship, then we would suggest that those non-ordinary states would evaporate quite quickly. Mm, yeah. Um, so just to contextualise dissociation, dissociation was never a psychological function at its origin. But um, And so, you know, looking at the origin of words gives us a, a sort of archaeology, if you like, of, of how we've arrived at something. And um, some of my favourite things about dissociate in, in the Dictionary of Etymology say that to dissociate in the 1600s was the severing of association or connection of, especially to be cut off from society. So when we're saying that there's unsafety in a relationship and someone has a, and for this purpose we'll call it a non-ordinary state, but that's psychosis as some people would think of it, someone has a non-ordinary state in order to be to create distance from them and the person that's causing threat, it's actually a functional dissociation. But we've kind of employed it as a psychological thing. The Latin um, origins of it say to separate from companionship to disunite or set at variance. So I'm creating distance or a person is creating distance between themselves and something else, mm, yeah. often society or people. It's interesting too though, <clears throat> as you're saying this, I'm enjoying the etiology of the word because actually um, there's a couple of functions in that level of dissociation and that type of dissociation. Um, because I actually think that <clears throat> it is, it's a way of sort of a person who's not feeling safe to find some sense of safety by, by pulling, pulling away from it, something that feels unsafe. But I actually think it's very fascinating to me that the person has also come towards someone wanting connection. Yeah. So the person is not actually dissociating because they want disconnection. Usually they've sought help, they've sought connection, and it just doesn't feel safe right now. And so this is really needed because how mm. I'm experiencing you right now, Matt, if I'm a person who's very distressed, is that it doesn't feel good. And so this dissociation that I'm bringing in that that um, looks, you know, paranoid or looks disorganised or whatever you want to call it, Mm. actually is very helpful to me right at the moment to help me feel a little bit safer. Safer. Mm. You're going to stay a little bit further away if I'm doing this yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, that's really important because it, and then that's the gift that we'll talk about afterwards is that the person is inviting us to be in relationship with the parts of them that are available. Absolutely. So be in relationship with the person's non-ordinary states or extreme states yeah. as a way of recreating safety mm. so we're not trying to get rid of those extreme states we're trying to meaningfully understand what role they're playing mm. even when i've come you've come to me asking for connection oh gosh it doesn't feel safe here's something to separate us a little bit but don't run away matt and don't yeah. try and get rid of these experiences could you could you just come back to, into relationship with me in a safe process rather than in the way that that I've decided is best yeah. for you. I'm loving the way you just articulated that. I think that's really powerful. And what I'm just hearing kind of in my own mind is this sort of sense of um, the invitation to hear that I'm afraid. Yeah. You know, and don't don't reject me in this moment. Kind of actually mm. allow even this, even this that's hard for me. I'm kind of, it's almost like a coded message that I'm really distressed mm. and I can't, even put it into words at the moment yep. it's so hard yeah i love that and it, it speaks to that idea doesn't it of the treatment resistant or the non-engaging person mm. no 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 they're having a busy active dissociation which you've called psychotic when they've 
reached out to be in relationship with you for help. Yeah. And we say, oh, look, they're treating resistant. Well, no, no, you would expect that person to have some of this experience if the relationship's not safe. Yeah. And I, I remember a person who worked at a mental health team in southern Adelaide who was an administrator on the front desk commenting one day, gosh, what is it? People come in and talk to me and we relate really well and then they sit down in the waiting area and when the door clunks for the professional to come out, they suddenly look like what the professional describes as psychotic, mm. but they haven't been like that. Mm. And I think she was describing incredibly skillfully that, oh, when there's not this fear between us, mm. the administrator and the person coming in seeking support, well, then there's no need for psychosis or non-ordinary states. Yeah. But when the professional comes out to assess and consider what is wrong or right with the person, yeah. inherently, I need to protect myself. Mm. And it's so fascinating. You use the word assessment. I know that the chief psychiatrist and the government funding are opening this emergency department yeah. alternative, which is being called an assessment centre. And I know this podcast isn't about that, but I just thought it was worth mm. putting that in considering we're talking about safety and the need for psychosis. As soon as you're going into an assessment centre, there's going to be a need for psychosis or, or non-ordinary states or something that is really asking for connection out of fear, you know, because yeah, I, I think these experiences of this level of dissociation are some of the most frightening ever. Absolutely. I, I, I'm glad you brought it in because in Adelaide we are about to open up an, in quotes, ED alternative yeah. that is called an assessment centre. Yeah. Well, for people who have extreme states or dissociocotic responses, they will be present, as you're saying. Yeah, and so then they will be detained. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's people... not a bloody alternative. No, it's not an alternative. It's, it's a way of describing that we're doing things differently when we're going to use the same basis yeah. and principle. Yeah. And it's an issue. And I think that brings us nicely into a quote from a book by Dr. Noelle Hunter, who's someone we, we very much value for her, her writings and her speaking and, and who she is. It's a book called Trauma and Madness in Mental Health Services. And she's describing when a person, she says she thinks there is a difference between dissociation and psychosis, although one doesn't exist without the other. We would say they're one and the same, I think. But she says when a person is coming towards a professional in this way, often the difference simply boils down to who can frame things the way the professional wants to hear or agrees with. Mm. And if you just pause for a moment, it's up to the person who's fearful in, in that relationship and in distress to work out what that professional's opinion is going to be. And that's never going to be satisfactory mm. yeah. um, because that's inherently going to potentially increase the, the psychotic or non-ordinary experience, mm. yeah. which we're saying just continues to explain why it's dissociocotic. It's dissociation, not psychosis. Mm. I think the gift of this, as I said, is that it allows us to witness the person and the way that they are available to be in relationship with us. And in, as such, it gives us an opportunity to make contact with psychosis as the, the thing in between me and you mm. is the thing we can both relate to. Mm. And that might look like a non-ordinary state or a dissociocotic mm. state. And that's a real gift because you're offering it to me to be in relationship with. And when we've both been in relationship enough with that, we might come into relationship with each other more. Mm. more wholly mm. without the without the sort of extreme states yeah and that's, a, that's think, a real gift i think one of the things i see in the work that you do matt and i've learned from you over the years is there's sort of like this thing that's between us but somehow in the acceptance of this thing that's between us there's we both see each other 
Mm. I see you do that with people. I've learned from that, that I can also do the same. That I can see the fullness of the person here in front of me, not just this thing that's in the middle. Mm. And I, I just think that is what helps this um, experience to evaporate. The distress just lowers. Everything down-regulates. When I'm seeing, if you're coming towards me in distress, I can see all of you. I'm seeing the real skillful um, fullness of your heart even. You know, like I'm really seeing mm. this genuine person here in front of me, not just the distress, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and when you say that, just I feel quite emotional because I, I, I just feel so much uh, admiration and gratitude to a person that sits in the room with me when they're so fearful mm. and distressed that they've got a a dissociacotic state. I mean, what an incredible gift and privilege to me that I'm invited to be with them mm -hmm. when I am also a fear for them, potentially. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, we really need to shift our minds from thinking that a person who has an extreme state is in some way wrong, difficult, needs changing or anything like that. We, we, let's, be, let's be grateful for the fullness of humans mm. and all that they are. Yeah. And, and that's what we're talking about. So mm. I'm going to give you a very wordy description of dissociocotic. So you can, if you're listening, you can glaze over for a moment if you need to. But um, dissociocotic is the experience of giving animation, of animation and giving life. So sort of busy and active of being at variance to companionship of self. So you distance yourself with these extreme states from your tr your full self for the survival of yourself in relationship from threat from the other. So I need to remove myself being completely in myself because the other person is causing a threat to me. And that's what we've been describing. Um, the, the, I've mentioned it a couple of times. And when Steph and I were developing these ideas to into language, Steph came up with this idea of busy active dissociation as a way to describe it so we're not saying it's psychotic we're saying it's a dissociation but normally we think of dissociation as a flattening out a playing dead kind of unconscious process and it isn't conscious but in this case it's active it's busy mm. so we don't think of voices as passive and asleep we think of them as busy and we traditionally they would be called positive symptoms of psychosis <laughs> of course we wouldn't would, agree with that would you be willing to talk about what we talked about this morning go on we were talking about, I had an experience of mm. remembering a trauma mm. and remembering dissociating into a very deadened, Lovely. frightened space. But it was calm. It was very calm, even though the experience was terrifying. I was kind of mm. distant from my body, very deadened and black and, 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 and mm. calm, though. And this was as a child? As a child. And it's followed you through that same response that you can When have. I'm very, very frightened, I go to that same response yeah. where I want to shut down and yeah. and, and die, really. And, and a lot of that fear stuff is in there. It's like very calming, but it's in response to terror. Yeah. And then we talked about you had also had a similar response in a memory of trauma that mm -hmm. actually happened to you. Mm. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, and I, and I over the years, one of the reasons why I found it hard to accept though, that those experiences is because my version of dissociation in those moments to free myself from intolerable pain and trauma was that I imagined other people were in the room with me. So mm. I've got very distinct images of seeing someone else in the room. Now I've checked with that person and they weren't in the room. Mm. And so I'm glad you brought this up. So at the time of the trauma, when it yes. was happening and it was unbearable, I you thought I could see someone. Yeah, you didn't check out to be watching yourself outside your body or some other thing. No. You had someone brought in as a vision to see 
well, how beautifully skillful in both cases yeah. to find some way to find comfort or to be outside of this terrifying experience. And I think this is so great you brought this in because that explains the difference between the shutdown mm. dissociation mm. that you experienced and the busy active dissociation, which we call psychotic, yeah. to have, in inverted commas, hallucinations. Yeah. Because I've checked out with the person and they weren't there. Mm. Mm in the room at the time. Yeah. So I obviously was create, trying to create safety mm. by being so, so-called so psychotic, or yeah. I would say dissociocotic. Mm. And yours would be accepted as more traditional, if you like, dissociation. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm. So we're just quickly explaining, we'll go to a break. Once upon a, and you, forgive me, there's a poetic license in this, of course, but to, to explain what we're talking about. Once upon a time, there was, a, there was humans and there was animals, and the animals were bigger. The humans needed to kill the animals to survive. So we would go into fight, flight and freeze responses in various ways, but certainly fight and flight. And we'd attack the animal um, to try and kill it, to try and survive and to get our food. Um, and, and if that didn't work, we'd run away from it. Um, and if that didn't work, we might freeze. But of course, um, that might not always work. So then we would lie flat on the ground and what we now call dissociate, feign death, play dead. And um, and at that point, the animal would uh, either run past its prey because it has an innate need to chase it down. Or, as you often say, Steph, it would often leave its prey dead and come back to it mm. later. So that playing dead, lying flat of the human in those situations was skillful and functional because it meant it could then get up and run away. Yeah. Now, that was when we had a much more reptilian brain. We didn't have the prefrontal cortex and the thinking brain that we have now. It wasn't nuanced. We couldn't perceive the threat and perceive a variety of ways to get away from it. So in the, in the current time, our brain has changed. We've now got this mammalian brain, which can process more skillfully and more nuanced what and, the threat is. And, and our th threat isn't from animals chasing us like tigers. Our That's threat right. is humans. Our threat is now humans. <laughs> so most of us aren't at risk from animals anymore. And so now we might try and fight the human in front of us. But if we do that, we get arrested or we get detained if people perceive mm. we're, we're mentally uh, not what they think is right. Um, so we might run away. But of course, you can't really run away anymore we live in a fairly different age now so you might freeze but if you're at risk from a human and you freeze they're just going to grab you anyway mm -hmm. so we don't do that so then if we lie flat in the old way that we would have done in the reptilian brain uh, and and just lie flat and hope that the animal but which is now a human run past us unfortunately that doesn't happen because the threat which is the person will come and try and revive us. People will jump on top of us. And, Are you okay? What do you yeah, need? And, and yeah. So we, that, it hasn't worked like mm. it did with the animal. In fact, you'll probably get detained because you're catatonic by then. That's like, right. We're That's you right. That. Yeah. And so then what we've done, we've been so incredibly skillful as a human, unconsciously, we've pre created these overt non-ordinary states which we express and display. And guess what? It keeps people away from us. Yeah, people cross to the other side of the road if you're babbling to yourself in public right. or some such of thing. Of course, it doesn't always work. Sometimes the mental health system goes into overdrive and detains yeah, you or arrests you. Somebody rings the police. And they but the principle is, is that in those moments of threat from the other, we don't have any other option. So our brains have kind of realised this at a reptilian, at a mammalian perspective, and 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 the availability of different ways of acting, and we've created what we now call psychosis. But we are calling it dissociocotic. It's a form of dissociation that looks like what has formerly been referred to as psychosis, and it's not a new label. It's a way of reminding everyone who is in relationship with someone who is expressing understandable, meaningful, non-ordinary states mm. that 
Ah, this is something to learn from. This is something to listen to mm. and find meaningful and it's skillful as a survival mechanism. It's, and I would say more than just a survival mechanism too. I think that um, maybe one of the things we haven't really touched on is that there's something really powerful in the in the experience of the psychosis that we can mm. deepen into and learn mm. about who we are, what that what our life experiences have been. So it's actually kind of eventually once we get through the fear of it, because it is a terrifying experience. Yeah. Once we each get through this experience of it, it's a gift. There's something in there's a knowing in it yes. that can tell us something more that has been disowned or unknown before. I love that and I it reminds me of Crazy Wise the film and an indigenous and shamanic mm. people in indigenous yeah. communities. You know, often the, the shaman in a community is admired or revered or a hope to the whole community. And when they go into these states that look a lot like what Western people might call because so, they might be hearing voice, they might be distressed, mm -hmm. they might be have their body might be overwhelmed, but there's a there's an important message for the community, mm. and I, I I hesitate a bit, but I, I want to say that when I've been psychotic in my life, I think it's been when I've been trying to warn people mm -hmm. of a danger in our community, mm. and and when I was a kid and I was psychotic, and and I was put in a sick room at school and left, and then no one told my parents. I would say that it was a missed opportunity for the community to learn mm. that there was risks in the community. So absolutely, rather than seeing it as something we ignore or placate or anything, not only does it bring us together as a relationship, but it's actually deeply meaningful. It's definitely meaningful for the person as well as the yes. community. Yes. You know, that if we think about, mm. you know, these experiences coming out of trauma yeah. for, you know, the lion's share of people, I don't know what the statistics are, but, um, but you know, then actually it's a, sort of like a, I think you call it like the canary in the coal mine mm. societally, but I think it is for a person too. It's like mm. I'm, I've actually had an experience. For whatever reason, I'm not allowed to speak of or yeah. I can't, you know, acknowledge it within me because of these other um, constraints on me. And when I can actually finally start to find the meaning behind it, I, I, I can turn towards experiences that are, you know, like I think of, you know, someone who's been sexually abused and becomes psychotic, well, actually there's some healing work to be done, you know. Yeah, and if the sexual abuser is around still, oh, for the community there's a message and for That's the person right. there's a request for safety. That's right. So yeah. there's this incredible meaning. And I was going to use the word beautiful then. It's hard to use the word beautiful around that. But it is beautiful mm. if it allows us all to come together to Imagine create Imagine if safety. we actually listened. Gosh. Yeah. Imagine if someone had listened when you were younger and, mm. and heard the story behind what that was about. Yeah. And and for all, especially for young people, I think, mm. for all of us, of mm. course. But I think especially when we look at early psychosis mm. services, they're all about predicting whether people are going to be psychotic. Well, let's not do that. Let's listen to the story mm. that that person is trying to tell us for them and for us as a community. And those are dissociocratic states, mm. meaningful and messages to us all. We're going to go to a break. Yeah. We're going to come back and just do a quick wrap up where we talk about the um, why this is useful when we're yeah. supporting people. Okay, see you in a bit. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Second half of Reawaken. So look, 
we just had a quick pause. We, we, we hope that made sense what we were talking about. And of course, you can look on websites and type in dissociocratic to, the, to Google and uh, you'll find videos about it. Um, but we just wanted to talk about the value of this. And I guess we've already started. The first thing for me, Steph, is that when we really start to see what we've been describing as this thing emerging as a mechanism of creating safety mm. in relationship when I'm seeking support or when you're see- seeking support, the gift of being the supporter is that you can attune to that happening. Mm-hmm. We don't have to say, oh, here's an emergence of illness. Mm. We say, oh, here's that really wonderful, functional, skillful part of this person mm. or, or message from this person that this moment is frightening. Mm. And for many people who've been abused or traumatized and go on to have non-ordinary states, that misattunement has happened over and over and over, mm. including going to a mental health service. Is it right to go to a mental health service when we've been abused as a child? I think if we started again, we wouldn't do that. Mm. We'd go to services of deep compassion and love mm. or something. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so so this is an opportunity to, to really attune to what's happening for the pro- for professional, loved one, support, or whatever. Attune to yourself. What are you noticing in you when someone presents in these experiences to you? What are you noticing in you? And what are you noticing in the person? And what have I done? How have I played a part in that person needing to present this extreme state? Mm. So that we can realise, not we don't have to not be who we are, but we can notice the equal part we've played. Yeah. In that. And I wonder, you have some great stories about that. Like I think of a client who came to see you who you, you were in the session, it seemed to be going well, and all of a sudden she was very distracted and distressed mm. and... You sort of asked what it was going on, and I remember you told me that he, you would um, put your foot on top of the other per- other foot, yeah. um, kind of perching it there. Mm. Um, and this person had said, "I'm just really worried. You're a violent person." Yeah. And and it became apparent. You kind of looked around and you thought, "I wonder what changed that made her think I was violent all of a sudden." And you realised you had put your foot kind of quite in a way that was heavy on your other foot, not yeah. just kind of placing it gently over it was mm. like kind of sitting propped on it mm. and and you m- noticed that and said that to her and she's kind of like yeah I'm I'm somebody who act, who is very committed to nonviolence yeah. and um, a practitioner of some peaceful ways of moving and living mm. and eating and so to ha- for one part of your body to harm another part of your body felt like such an act of violence when she was attuned to, vi- mm. to looking for violence in people. And this is pretty, you know, you go see a therapist, it's scary. Yeah, and I, I think it's so great you brought that up because her voices kicked in when I rested uh, my foot on the other foot yeah. and started telling her I wasn't safe. Yeah. And she started crying. So she was having a stress response, mm. which we know is what can lead to dissociation. Mm. So it wasn't psychotic. And when, when we discussed it, her voices stopped telling her I was violent. And you said, oh, do you want me to take my foot off my foot? Mm. And she said, yes. Yes, please, yeah. And then and it all settled. Yeah. Here's a lovely example. So developing right understanding and the Buddhist principle of right understanding that, you know, with the inevitability that all things will change if we observe them. Mm. You know, so we, in that story you've just given, we were able to observe what happened mm. and it allowed the change between us to occur. Mm. And the person's dissociocratic state was no longer needed. Yeah. It's an absolute gift. So we, we always need to facilitate the person staying where they are or coming towards us when they're ready. 
never do that thing we were talking about when we were describing the the, the threat response in the mammalian brain where we go and do things to people. Mm. Always allow. And one of the ways we talk about this is if you feel like you want to solve the problem of the person who's explaining expressing a non-ordinary state, just sit, push, just put your hand on your heart and gently rest yourself back into your chair mm. and recognise that, oh, look at me, I was just starting to go towards this person and that was actually not creating much joy for mm. them. Yeah. It's creating more fear. Yeah. So their voices were getting louder. Okay, well, I'll sit back then and let that person show me when when the safety is being mm. developed. Mm. It's such a gift to a, a, a supporter or a professional because I, I can genuinely listen and observe and follow the qualities and skills and power of the person. Yeah. Be active in it, but I can, I can let them lead me. Mm. And I think it's really important to not worry too much about the content. You know, we can get caught up in figuring out. When I first started working with you and working with clients who were coming in in this space, I'd always want to figure something out or be helpful or, yeah. you know, come towards, like you said. And um, and that's it, it was, for me, really learning to take that, like, step back into myself, like, mm. why am I trying to fix this right now? And I don't have to make sense. I just really have to value this person and really come back into mm. what's important here now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And, and in doing that... What we'll see is that both parties can recognise their own realities and one another's realities mm. as, as what they are. Not seeking to change them, not seeking to solve or fix the problem. That Those things will take care of themselves. You know, th- those things will move as, as all things do. And, and what we call this in our, in our approach is the coexisting same experience, where we're facilitating initially moments where the threat doesn't need to exist because neither of us needs to impress or oppress onto one another the realities we're having. Mm. And and there's a beautiful moment where the person who has been liminal and left out on their own can come back into relationship. And so too can the supporter Mm. come back into relationship with the other. And and, and what we're doing, of course, is that in those moments we see the, 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 the... traumas and the meanings made of the traumas and the extreme dissociations and what like get labeled mental illness of course but we see those things begin slowly to evaporate and then the natural thing is for us to come towards each other at that point mm. because the barriers that needed to be there don't need to be mm. there anymore yeah. so there's a kind of drawing in and in those moments we can be deeply with the person as lauren mosher called it be with the person coexisting in the same experience unique realities um in the space of a sort of loving human to human interconnectedness Mm. um and 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 absolutely psychosis doesn't exist in those spaces and there's so many stories we've got in our work Mm -hmm. and in those spaces we we can develop a shared experience of human to human relationship right understanding and then the reauthoring or the authoring of the unique human narratives of the person who's coming in distress without the need for them to put barriers safety barriers in the way Mm. And, and and their story will emerge and that's the story that will you know allow them to innately make meaning mm. um, from, from their life journeys it's a long journey it's a long process but the the key here is and we need to wrap up don't we but the the key here is um that it's uh dissociacotic is not a mental illness mm. it's it's not even what we think of as psychosis it's a a form of dissociation that's hard for us to perceive because it's different to what we've been told it is. It's a busy, active way of allowing us to be in relationship safely. Mm, yeah. And together we can walk, walk through that. 
And I think what I love as an overarching thing on this is when a person starts to feel safe, the psychosis evaporates. Absolutely. And so, you know, like really um, what we're doing is just hanging out long enough until it feels safe. And then that's when the sort of like, I think you said at one point, very quickly the psychosis evaporates and that's when the trauma work starts. Yeah, and we, the relationship becomes like a bridge mm. across a river that's just flowing so mm. fast. Yeah. And that human relationship becomes like this bridge that we can we can then meet upon, mm. hold on to and meet upon. And then the person safely can do whatever work they want to do. Mm. Well, I hope that's of value to people. <laughs> and uh, it can be expanded in another podcast. And, and as you say, as we say, Google Dissociocratic and uh, you can watch a video. And, yep. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. It was great. Go well. Everywhere people, in every place, all of the countries and each race need your hope. That's what this world is in need. Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed. Hope is the thing that stops you bleed. Hope is the ivory in the weed. So give hope and live hope. And when your kids are hungry, feed them hope. If the system bleeds you dry, have hope. If the situation makes you cry, have hope. Cause now it's time to dry your eyes and hope that that'll keep your dreams alive. I hope that you hope. Cause everyone's future is resting on your hope Can take the worst thing and turn it around Hope can find the lost that was not to be found Hope can make the loser them start gaining ground and Hope can turn your pennies right back into pounds Cause hope can be rebuilt even when it's been killed And if you believe, your hope will be fulfilled But people lie, just to raise your hope Just to make you think that they're helping you cope They're selling you eggs without no yolk they're wearing you down until your will is broke This ain't real hope, they don't feel hope They real hope and deal hope and turn it into false hope Then we give up on this world like it's a sinking boat We let each other drown instead of flinging the rope We're turning the place into some kind of joke But we can't laugh, we can't lose hope In these times while they commit these crimes Because there's nothing else out here keeping us afloat Hope is elusive, a glint in the eye That something is exclusive, a thing they can buy or make excuses, they just sit and ask why Our mistakes are conclusive, hope will just die But I wouldn't lie, singing all lullaby Give hope a try, and hope gets high You'll be bereaved, but you'll also receive Have hope, can't be deceived, you've just got to believe And hope, don't let it leave, forever receive Just hope, and then one day, you're going to succeed You can't live without hope, don't go without hope Doubt hope will keep you warm when you're shivering with cold Hope will make you young when you're tired and old Hope can make a frightened man hearty and bold And hope can find the truth that has never been told Cause some people take hope and some people fake hope But you are the people, you people here You're the ones that I feel are sincere You're raising my hope, will hold your hand when you feel insecure Hope will find a way through any long door Make a point to the wise, even when there's a door Hope will fill your belly when you think you need more Stop disease when there isn't a cure Hope will do it all, and so much more And so much more And so much more And so much more
Pouco do e And so much more